Welcome to day 333 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture, and we're moving through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts has been uh, just a wonderful story on every side as we see the Holy Spirit working through uh, God's messengers as he builds churches and as the churches are strengthened in the faith, the challenges uh, they're facing. Uh, the different environments, you know, none of them are really conducive to the gospel. Everywhere the gospel goes, it meets with great opposition, but not only great opposition, Luke wants us to know in the middle of it, uh, it's experiencing incredible growth. So we come to uh, one of the most interesting uh, sections as Paul finds himself in the city of Athens, uh, preaching in the center of uh, Greek thought and Greek philosophy, and uh, calling all people to the unknown God. So we come to uh, Acts chapter 17. Uh, before we start, Cindy, would you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? I would not mind. Father, thank you for this time. We do thank you for your word, and we thank you for how your word um, impacts our hearts and our lives. And so we would pray that you would do that as we um, turn to you and turn to your word, that you would teach us that by your spirit you would lead us and guide us, Father, and that you would renew our hearts and our love for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 17. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you as Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come here now and Jason has welcomed him into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the other, uh, others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day, every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. Weavers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is Babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for uh, foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that they are presenting. 
You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing uh, nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I was walking around, I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations. They should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find them. There's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you on this subject again. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed, among them Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and, and a number of others. And what a beautiful appeal. Uh, whenever Paul goes into the synagogue, obviously he appeals to Jewish scriptures, and he goes more deeply into the story when he uh, goes to the Areopagus. He appeals to creation and God's power in creation. And, and once again, we see him you know, talking about common grace, uh, you know, as he did in Lystra in Derby, when people wanted to sacrifice to him, how God has been good to them, and God is very near them so that they would reach out and touch him. So God's purpose in creation and God's purpose in redemption uh, are expressed yeah. in the Scripture and in, uh, and in uh, natural revelation or general revelation. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things that stands out to me in this chapter is you have three times Paul going into the synagogue and reasoning from the scriptures. You know, they're, they're pouring over the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, here's the gospel here. This is where you should have seen that the Messiah would have to come and, and suffer and would rise again. And then yet when he when he's gets, you know, you love Paul's language too, or Luke's language here, when Paul was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols, you know, sitting around and he, he finds a connection point, contextualization. And no, how do I take this same gospel no. message I've been preaching in the synagogues? Oh, there's an unknown God. I will tell them who this true God no, that's is. No, yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and, you know, Paul was not unaccustomed to being, you know, around uh, idols and yeah. pagan temples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Athens must have been overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he does find himself, you know, separated from his companions. He's deeply, you know, distressed. You know, in, in, in what he sees in the city, uh, and there, there's kind of a you know nice little play on words when he he looks around and says to him, "I see that you guys are very religious." Uh, you know, the word can can kind of be a compliment, but it can also have just kind of another little edge. You know, that's right underneath it. So, you know, it looks like you guys are pretty superstitious. Uh, in other words, you're, you're believing in things that cannot do for you what you think they can do for you. But let me introduce. You know, a God that needs nothing from you, and yet he has given you everything. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's wild. And then that, you know, he speaks to the transcendent transcendent nature of God and also the imminent nature of God that he's near and and close. And I've always liked that scene too in Berea where when Paul is reasoning with them, you know, he he he's giving them the message there, but they're also going and examining the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many get saved. So he was telling them the truth, but just love that eagerness to say, man, what you're saying, I want to know more about it. Let me go and investigate that. Let me, let me dig in. Let me really see if this is true. Um, and just what a beautiful kind of scene of someone eager to, to know the Lord, but also doing all that work of, of reasoning through scripture to see if it's true. And, uh, and there's also an invitation, you know, to us as well, you know, to every day search the scriptures, not, not to be convinced, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of, 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 you know, what we believe is true, but to find ourselves more in love and deeply, more deeply drawn into the truth of scripture and, and more deeply consistent, you know, with, with scripture. So may we be noble like the Bereans who have mm-hmm. daily searched the scripture. This is a reminder, too, that the gospel provokes, you know, or um, challenges both religious idols that we might find uh, acceptable, you know, those mm-hmm. in the Jewish synagogue, you know, who had made a, a living out of saying, hey, we will be people of the law. We will be people who will inherit, you know, eternal life because of the things we've done. You know, Paul goes into the Jewish synagogue, reasons with them. Some believe, but then other Jews were jealous. You know, they didn't like that it was, you know, Paul was confronting their idols there, even mm-hmm. in, you know, as he's talking through scripture, but it also, you know, confronts our pagan idols, if you want to use that term, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it confronts both our religion and irreligion, you know, that's what Keller would say. And, and that's what the gospel does is it comes in and it, it convicts us of our idols, those that we may find acceptable, you know, but it also speaks to those cultural idols that we just kind of quickly dismiss. It has nothing in common when it, mm-hmm. with any pagan religion, no. and it's so much more mm. uh, than everything that uh, you know the, those who followed the Jewish religion had reduced it to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so the gospel stands over and above, uh, you know, both our religious tendencies, our irreligious tendencies, our law-keeping tendencies, our law-breaking tendencies. You know, the gospel is an invitation to something so much richer, so much deeper, so much better. And, and of course, because, you know, and, and it's exactly, you know, what he's saying here. You know, he is the one who made you. He marked out your boundaries. He set up the circumstances where you could know him. He's given himself fully to you. And uh, I, I just like, you know, Augustine here. Uh he has created us for himself, and our hearts are going to be restless until uh, they find their rest in him. Mm-hmm. And there were some that seemed to have that restlessness going on, right? That towards the end of the passage, you know, some people are sneering at Paul, like, oh my gosh. But others, like, I need to know more about that. I want to know more. And, and so it was just a beautiful scene of the gospel being proclaimed, centering on Christ and, and his resurrection, and then people wanting to know more and then Paul staying with them yeah. to talk. That, that, that little word babbler, that, that is, that is the height of a Greek, uh, you know, insult. And it's, you know, it's kind of like we do and go blah, blah, blah. So all this guy's doing is just blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course it is far, you know, far more than that. An insult, you know, cannot reduce, you know, the gospel. It stands over and above that as the hope for everyone uh, who believes both Jew and Gentiles, Paul would say, in, in Romans. Uh, David, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we do thank you for the hope that you've given us in Christ Jesus. Um, we thank you that when we were far from you, you came near to us in, in, in the person of Christ. 
And we thank you, Father, that you've given proof of all this by raising him from the dead. And so may we be those who diligently go to the scriptures for encouragement, for renewal, to to behold Christ day by day. And we ask you to give us that grace um, for your glory and our joy. We pray us all in the name of Jesus. Amen.